The shock of this double murder won't soon be forgotten by neighbors. Suzanne was found strangled and gagged in one of the bedrooms in their Statesview apartment. Patricia was strangled and found in another bedroom. She lived a very dangerous lifestyle, going out and picking up strange men at a bar. They were two sisters who lived together and would die together. A double homicide, now more than 30 years of searching. And detectives still don't know who killed the Williams sisters, who were found strangled and bound. It could have been a sex crime, a burglary that went bad. I mean, it's just a lot of cruel people out there. I'm Leslie Ackerson. And I'm John North, and this is Appalachian Unsolved, the podcast. sister's murders happened a couple days after Christmas back in 1987. It's one of the many unsolved cases in Knox County. And today to discuss this cold case with us, it's retired chief cold case investigator David Davenport, who's also served as a sheriff, worked in the TBI and his uh, his years of working this. So this is a case you got to look at rather closely. I want to know just off the top of your head, when you think of the Williams sisters case, what kind of thoughts go through your mind? Well, when I think of the Williams case, I think of two sisters. They were exact opposites, but they lived together. Patricia was one who did the club scene, ran around, had the reputation of uh, picking up guys in the bar. Uh, She was a younger sister. And the other sister was Suzanne, who was the homebody, who stayed at home and kept to herself, didn't socialize much, if any. They had uh, disabilities, a dystrophy, and both of them wore braces either all the time or part of the time. A couple of days after Christmas, they were found strangled with the shoelaces out of their braces. Paramedics brought out the bodies of 40-year-old Suzanne Williams and her 37-year-old sister Patricia in the early morning hours. Their parents discovered the two around 8.15 last night. Initially found by a pest control uh, serviceman who serviced the apartment, but he didn't realize they were dead. And later on, the parents became concerned uh, with them and found them, I think, on December the 29th. How do you, if you're a pest guy, go into an apartment to uh, spray for bugs and not pick up on the fact that there's one, if not two, dead bodies in an apartment? I've asked, asked that question, too, but... Evidently, this this guy wasn't very observant, and and he evidently had seen people sleeping on the floor in those apartments before, and uh, he didn't think a whole lot of it, and didn't look uh, look too much to see what was going on. Did the sheriff's office not talk to him as as a potential suspect at one point, at least? He was interviewed as a potential suspect, but uh, it didn't lead anywhere. That's just that's been one of the most fascinating of many angles about this extremely weird case to me that you had a pest guy walk in 
uh, the night pr presumably after they were killed and goes in to kill the bugs and finds, whether he realizes it or not, two dead bodies. What, were they, do you remember, Dave, were they both covered like with sheets? Were their bodies completely covered? They were covered uh, with, with uh, I think one was covered with a bed spray and the other with a sheet or a blanket. It was so that if you were uh, spraying for bugs and you walked in there and didn't, didn't pay any attention to anything, you wouldn't notice it right offhand where they weren't left in the open. Does it tell you anything that the killer or killers uh, deliberately covered them? I, I think they were deliberately covered up. There's a certain type people that will cover up uh, bodies so they don't have to look at them. You know, I've talked to them that said, they can still see you. I mean, there's any number of reasons they'd cover up what they did. So the pest guy comes in, but hours later, the, the girl's parents who lived in a nearby complex or not if the same complex realized that they hadn't heard from them and the sisters lived together. They were the ones that found the two sisters and called this crime in. Can we talk a little bit about the state of what they found them? And you kind of gave us a brief description. It was pretty grisly. You know, finding your two daughters strangled to death uh, with uh, ties around their neck, uh, being and they'd been dead probably 72 hours or more. Uh, we're looking at maybe the 26th and being found on the 29th. So certain body changes had started, and it was it was a, I know quite a shock to the parents. And, of course, both of them are deceased now. Um, it would be horrific, to say the least. The Williams sisters were not from here. Their parents, their mother, was not from here. It's what struck me as, again, sort of a, a noteworthy fact about this case is they had only moved to Knox County maybe a year or so beforehand because uh, the husband had taken a job here. So here are two people who had hardly been here, um, were now murdered, and then their mother and, and stepfather were so traumatized, and who could blame them after this, they moved away. They did. And, uh, no, I mean, they were, from what I can read, of course, I never had the opportunity to talk to them, but they were very traumatized at this happening. Did you ever find out from family or anyone that was still alive when you went back and reanalyzed this, anything about their relationship? They lived together, but neither one of them were married. One was 40, one was 37. Were they close or did they live together because it was cheap? I, I wonder if they had a friendship or a bond uh, as sisters. Well, I think they were different, but I still think they were close. Uh, I mean, their disease made them close, I believe. The dystrophy is probably... Uh, brought out the closeness. I don't think, from what I can gather, Suzanne uh, agreed with her sister's lifestyle, but she tolerated it. And the dynamic between the two sisters is really important in this case, as I understand it. You had, as you mentioned, Suzanne, the older sister, who basically liked to turn in around 9 o'clock at night, was not one to go out. And then the younger sister, uh, Patricia, who was 36 or 37, and from your investigation, it sounds like you all determined she was somebody that decided, I'm going to go out and enjoy myself. I'm not going to worry too much about it. I'm interested, she made some interesting decisions about how she would try to meet men. She was well-known at Doodles, the club. It was a after-five spot where people went to meet and greet. 
But if she saw a particular individual she'd like to meet, a male, she would write on a note or on a napkin, would you buy, like to buy me a drink? Which led to conversations and then sometimes her leaving with that particular individual and either taking them home or taking them out in the parking lot or whatever. So Suzanne never went to Doodles, I can find out, and Patricia was there about every night to meet somebody. Could you share your kind of theory of the timeline of that night? And I assume we would start with Patricia at the restaurant, Doodles, at the bar, and then take it from there. Well, from what we uh, have learned about the timeline, uh, Patricia had went to Doodles that evening, had interacted with one or more individuals. The bartender said she thought she left with an individual, and she supplied the officers uh, a uh, drawing of what this person looked like. But then again, through our investigation, we found out that she'd also talked to these other two individuals that admitted to going to her, her apartment. And uh, also we we interviewed this one other individual that we found a fingerprint, and he admitted to being in the apartment at one time or another. It does appear that Patricia hurried home for some reason, and it may be because a couple of her friends had showed up and were drinking and doing cocaine and, and messing with their sister or, or somebody else. So I really think that ever who killed them knew, knew both sisters. Obviously, Patricia's lifestyle makes this particularly difficult for investigators because she was seen with so many different men that could be suspects. There were almost too many suspects because of her lifestyle, a lot of people that you ended up talking to. So with her Patricia's track record, it, it left us with a whole lot of questions about if she left with a stranger. And she had quite uh, a few in and out of the apartment, and and according to some people that we talked to, she'd have more than one or two an evening in and out, so it became difficult. Investigators at the time did go talk to the Doodles bartender, which he gave uh, a description. There was also a fingerprint. Yes, we did get a latent print off the microwave. The guy, we've interviewed him, and uh, he said he'd been in the apartment before. Of course, he denied ever handling the microwave, but we didn't have enough to add it all together to charge that particular person. There was another two people admitted to be in the apartment that night, said they were there and they left. When they left them, they were alive, and both of those are dead now. The shock of this double murder won't soon be forgotten by neighbors. And I can't believe this tonight because, you know, it's just not like state to your apartments at all. These apartments that this happened in, of course, it was more than 30 years ago. There were probably no cameras outside like there are now or, you know, gated entries. The, the state's view apartments, um, was that a decent area at the time in, in the 80s for something like this to happen? Pretty surprising or was it a rougher area of the neighborhood, if you remember? No. After I took over the cold case unit, we went down there and still, I believe they've changed names, but the, there's still a nice apartment complex. Uh, you know, uh, murder knows no boundaries. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if it's anywhere. It's, it can happen anywhere. What was the state of the apartment 
there had been some stuff taken, but did it look like there had been any kind of a, a scuffle or any sort of a, a, a physical altercation of any kind? No, uh, the the apartment was made to look like it was a burglary, though. Uh, certain items were taken. The automobile was missing. Patricia had a vehicle, an older vehicle, and then Suzanne had a vehicle, a Dodge. And it was Suzanne's vehicle that was removed from the apartments and found six, seven miles away. But Patricia's vehicle also was kind of oddly parked, if I remember correctly from what I've read about it. It was uh, kind of parked askew, not the way she would have done it. So I'm wondering if, I know that, that investigators through the years, the decades, have poured over every sort of thought. If there's what you think may have been going on with the vehicles, and if you remember whether the keys to Suzanne's Dodge were ever recovered where it was dumped with all the stolen stuff. Speaking to the Dodge, I think that the keys were in the ignition. Uh, it was later turned into the police department by a neighbor who said it was sitting in his driveway. Uh, the car was in a dual driveway parked all the way up, and he said there had been a party at uh, the other house, not his house, and that vehicle had been there a couple of days before it was that. Uh, there was some thought that Patricia had gotten a phone call and rushed home because Suzanne was in some sort of uh, trouble or situation uh, is the reason that her vehicle was parked the way it was. Uh, everything that was taken out of that house was in that vehicle. We couldn't determine anything being missing. The thinking is then that whoever did this tried to sort of throw investigators off deliberately either either that or they realized that if they pawned the items they took that uh, law enforcement could track them back to where they came from investigators do say however there was no sign of forced entry which leaves open the possibility these two women may have known their killer so according to reports from the Doodles bartender, the man Patricia was seen leaving with was dressed as being well-groomed, wearing a fresh-pressed outfit. He was white, 6 feet 2 inches tall about, in his late 20s to early 30s, brown hair, a beard, and a mustache. Um, the bartender said he wore cowboy boots, jeans, and a tan down-filled vest and top coat. Uh, I think it's somebody who they, Patricia had met at one of the bars. You know, there's evil in the world, and, and you or John ask what, what motivated them or why did they do it, and sometimes it's just pure evil, and, you know, and it's control and, and, and losing their self, and maybe Suzanne had turned them down on more than one occasion and wanting to go in her room and, and engage in uh, sexual activity with her, but uh, I, I just think it was pure evil. Dave, let's talk a little bit more about the crime scene. I'm looking further in the notes about how one of the sisters had been strangled with a window cord, the other with a shoelace, and of course both of them were bound with the laces from their braces. One was, was gagged. At the murders that you look through in, in the county, you say this one was obviously someone who was cruel. 
the way, the, the type of crime, the passion behind it, the way someone is killed a lot of times can give insight into what a killer is thinking, whether it's just shooting someone in the back or shooting them as they're facing you. But this is strangulation with objects. It's, it's just very, it's sick, honestly, but I don't know if that helps you in looking at the type of person, the profile of a killer by how these women died. You know, it, it would to me because it was personal. I, I don't know if it was to get at Suzanne or Patricia had caused somebody some pain by whatever. Um, and I don't know that they ever checked her if she had some kind of sexually transmitted disease because we've seen murders that happen. When that happens, uh, to you know, to get even with the person. It was definitely a hands-on thing, and it was definitely personal. Now, these serial killers do it that way, uh, and they're the worst to, to come, you know, to, to find out about. But also, if it was somebody that were, was mad at the sisters for whatever reason, um, and it got carried away, there is some indication that they were manually strangled before the nooses were put around their neck and they were tied up. They may have even been dead before all that happened. When you look at the two sisters, who they were, where they lived, what they liked to do, and the evidence, when you look at a motive, what kind of do you narrow down in on, or is it still kind of difficult to pinpoint? I think it's pure meanness. Uh, we interviewed some pe people that said they uh, like, quote, rough, quote, sex, uh, especially Patricia. Maybe that got out of hand. Maybe this particular person uh, accidentally killed Patricia, and to cover their tracks, they had to kill the sister. But let's be clear, when the two victims were found, Suzanne was the one who'd been sexually assaulted, but Patricia had not. Is that right? Unfortunately, at that time, the forensics weren't as good as they are now. She could have been sexually abused in some other way that wasn't found. Patricia. Patricia. They did find semen in Suzanne, which indicated she was probably right because she wasn't as uh, promiscuous as, as her sister. And uh, the thought was that she was raped. You, you just mentioned something which is uh, really interesting, and I know people will be intrigued to explore, and that's this whole issue of you mentioned that semen was found in Suzanne. Is that sample evidence still around, or would there be any chance, or have you already all tried to run a DNA on that? We, we already have run exhausted all DNA evidence on, on that case. Didn't match anything you know about? No, no. But the, the problem is, if there's not a DNA sample in, in the database, uh, it's just like a, a fingerprint if you've never been fingerprinted. In this particular case, it's entered into CODIS. So if this particular individual ever submits to DNA, then we'll have a, a match if it, if it comes up. The people that became suspects, uh, had uh, criminal records from uh, narcotics, uh, things like that. They had assaults. Uh, both of them were, were I describe as evil people, and they had taken up with at least Patricia and knew Suzanne. Is there any chance of this having an ending, any chance of those people actually being prosecuted, or is the evidence just too sparse? Well, one living individual, there's latent print. Now, if we could corroborate in some way, 
uh, of his, what time he was there, when he was there. Somewhere back when this happened, uh, they found out he had took a taxi cab from a particular area over to where he lived in, which is not close to these uh, victims' apartment. But uh, there's no telling where he was that night. And he can't, he can't tell us where he was that night. Even though Patricia and Suzanne Williams' parents have died and there probably aren't many family members connected, this is still probably a case that's on some people in the community's mind. It still probably sits in volumes on the shelves. It still deserves some justice. How valuable would it still be if someone came forward with some information now? It's, it's a case that investigators will continue to work on in the department. It's always to put the community at rest, and if there are any relatives, it's, it's very important. If anybody has any information, that they should call the Caucasian at Knox County Sheriff's Office and supply Knox County with the information they have about this case or any cold case. They're all on the website, and I think in most of these cases, if not all of them, somebody knows something. And even if we can't solve it, we'll go out and try to aggravate the people we think know something or the people that that were involved in it just to know that we're still looking and we don't forget. As somebody who's covered crime myself for more than 25 years in this county and have been you know, intrigued by homicides and what have you, this one, it is worth emphasizing, in my opinion, that you have two sisters killed in the same apartment, and it has never been solved. The lives of two people taken, never solved. That that would drive me crazy if I were an investigator, even decades later. It it does, and, and cold cases are different in a lot of reasons, and uh, being are, they're cold for a reason. Uh, you go into one, usually they've been poured over by good investigators and looked at over the years, and you're always trying to add a, a fresh face, a fresh perspective to what you're investigating. Even if I think the, the chances of solving them are, are small, I want people to know, people that knew them or people that associated with them, or mamas or brothers or sisters that we're still looking. I can take some solace, I guess, in that two of these people are dead and there's a higher power than me that they were judged by, so they get judgment uh, one way or the other. If you have any information about the Williams sisters' murders, you can contact the Knox County Sheriff's Office Cold Case Unit at 865-215-2243.